Hi, it's Making the Media Podcast time with me, Craig Wilson. Thanks a lot for joining us and I hope you're well. Launching a new channel in the midst of the pandemic was one of the first subjects we touched on here at Making the Media, focusing on the work of NBCLX in the United States in episode two of season one. Back then, we spoke with Matt Goldberg, VP of Content Strategy for NBC Universal Local, who outlined their plans to capture new, younger audiences on a variety of platforms. Now, if you want to check out that episode, you can. There's a link in the show notes. But what has happened since? Well, let's find out, as I've spoken to Matt again, to look at what worked, what didn't, what they've learned, and how they are facing the future. So to begin with, I asked Matt to recap on the strategy which lay behind the creation of NBCLX. So LX uh, is um, really about four years old, um, a little under three years as a television network. It was conceived in really 2018 um, as a, a project to answer a problem that we see across the news business, which was... Um, diminishing audiences, dwindling audiences, but also how do we get young people to consume news? Um, so I led a team for about a year doing a lot of research and came up with a plan to try and achieve those questions. Um, and that was really how LX was born. Um, it has evolved into uh, what is a 24-7 television channel. We are over the air in the United States on uh, 91 local markets. We are on a number of cable systems. We are uh, streaming on a number of platforms, um, pretty much most of the, the big ones and, uh, and available um, on Hulu Live and YouTube TV as well. Um, and it really is, you know, it, it's, a, it's a business that has um, two major focuses, and it's find young audiences and find you know new audiences, but also experiment and become an R and D for NBC Universal Local um, in ways that we can do news different and better. I mean, you know, we we spoke the last time about launching into a pandemic, and you know how you had to you know deal with that and and, and handle that um, at the time. How do you think the channel has evolved really since since we last spoke? Because you know, one of the things I think we'll talk about today is about that sense of experimentation, that sense of trying new things. So yeah. what's happened in the course of the last couple of years? A lot. Um, my head spins sometimes thinking of everything we've done from doing live news underneath the ocean to uh, covering a Mars landing to uh, really, really uh, unique and different approaches to telling individual stories. Uh, we went live in Alaska on glaciers. Um, you know, I think what what our our whole DNA is about is about really trying to do something different every day, uh, and and we do that. Um, you know, we've invented a lot of different approaches to news, different shows, um, but we also have really gotten down to what journalism is about, which is just telling great stories and telling stories about people. Um, and, you know, if I was going to singly circle one thing that works well is a great story. And that really is what is the DNA of an LX piece of content. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about it. I think sometimes that gets lost a little bit, but the story is everything. You know, a, yeah. a strong story absolutely makes um, makes everything. Um, so again, through that period, you, you talked there about, you know, lots of different examples of things that you of things that you've done. What have you found that's really worked? 
you know, if you if you reflect back on that time, you know, what's the thing you would say look, that, that these are, you know, things that we've tried that's really worked and then, you know, presumably try and double down on those? Yeah. You know, I'll start with that expanding on that thought of great storytelling. Um, we have uh, about uh, eight or nine storytellers who are, you know, there are reporters and um, they work mostly individually. So they shoot and edit most of their own content. Um, but the approach that each of them take is different to telling a story and always different on the story itself. And we've really kind of developed a playbook, if you will, of, of how to tell a story that isn't a formula. Um, and if that makes, it, I hope that makes sense. Like the playbook is don't have a formula. Don't start your piece with this. Don't, you know, let the story predict the direction that you're going to go. Um, and we've had so much success. Um, you know, we we had a story that won the Cannes Film Festival this year. Uh, we won, uh, we had another story, um, same storyteller, a gentleman named Cody Broadway, uh, did a story, uh, a multi-part series that focused on um, COVID misinformation in a small town in Texas. We won the National Murrow Award for Network News um series you know beating out some pretty big competition including in our own company and, um so you know I, I and awards are great and all of that works but i think what we also see is that a great story resonates across linear across digital um you know there's a lot of different ways to retell that story um, and, and optimize it for different platforms um, so you can take great journalism and do a 60 second TikTok with it but you can also have a 14-minute long-form documentary that really provides a lot of that information you're trying to get out across multiple platforms. So that that's the storytelling component that I think we've really crafted. Um, we we do about seven hours of live news a day. Um, so since you and I spoke last, that's an increase of probably about three hours. Um, we have really uh, leaned in on some more topical news and doing um, day and date news because a lot of our storytelling content is more rich and has a longer tail life. You know, the story is still going to be relevant six months from now. Um, but people want to know what's going on in the world today and how it impacts them. So um, we have experimented with some shows where like we had a show for a while that we were calling uh, LX News Now, which was news happening right now, showed us an encore. Um, that's evolved into this new process we're doing called Red Zone News, uh, where we use the power of NBC on stations to to tell stories. Um, so, um, you know, really, it, it's it's trying different things in the linear space that might pick up with an audience, and you start to see a repeat audience, and then deciding, okay, let let's let's keep going with this. So, so Matt, I want to ask about red the the red zone. We'll maybe come back to that, but I want to pick up on something else that you said there. You talked about something working as a fourteen minute package, or working you know sixty seconds on um, on TikTok or on or on other platforms. Yeah. Just in terms of the practicalities of how that's done, is that being done by the same individual, or do you have dedicated teams that look into ways that content can be repurposed for those other platforms? It's mostly done by the same person. And so, but, but, but I think it, knowing that that's going to be your output, it's, it's, it's keeping that in your mind as you're developing the story. So realizing, Hey, the interview I did with this one person is probably the TikTok. That's this quick 60 second moment that was real powerful. Um, 
you know, 14 minute doc is going to work obviously on YouTube. It's going to work in a, in a documentary style show, but um, you know, we, we have some faster pace shows and LX news sometimes where, you know, 14 minutes is a lot to kind of build a show around. Can we do a six minute version for that? And then when we, we, we give our content to a lot of NBC entities, really NBC, any NBC affiliate can run LX content. Um, and for, for them, we'll cut much shorter versions, stuff that fits in a more traditional newscast. It still looks and feels and is different like the way an LX news story is, but um, it, it's, 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 it's assuming that, you know, it's hard. If it's hard for us to get a 15 minute story in a linear newscast, Imagine trying to get that in an 11 p.m. newscast um, in New York. So, um, so it's thinking that way throughout the process, and that makes the cut down a lot easier, or the the, the different treatment by each platform you're doing effective. And you know, there are times when um, there's help. You know, um, you're looking at the guy who manages our YouTube channel right now. So we all do a lot of things at LX. We're not this massive network operation. Um, and, 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 you know, we have partners where they might suggest, like NBC News Now might uh, say, you know, we, we would love this story, but can we run just the first half of it? And we say, yeah, that's fine, as long as you have this in the, the tag or something like that. So let's, let, let's talk about the red zone. And I think that also picks up on something that you spoke a bit about there. So explain in a little bit more depth about the red zone. And then really what I want to explore is about how that's a collaborative effort between LX and you know the other stations that are involved in that. So explain a little bit more about what it is, um, and then let's let's dig into that that kind of way of you know efficiently using the 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 network effectively that you have. Yeah. So it it, it actually was an idea that uh, was born a couple of years ago, almost maybe maybe about a year ago, where uh, as you know, LX is a channel on Peacock, and in conversations with Peacock, they're like, could you do something where you know, something's happening now could be on your channel. So we started exploring that concept and, and we realized like, God, wouldn't it be cool to create a channel or programming that takes the concept of the NFL red zone channel, which is, you know, wherever something's happening now in a game on a Sunday, you can just sit back and watch th that great moment and turn that into news. And so I think we noodled it a, a bit. We looked for opportunities to try it out. The first time we did it was when Hurricane Ian was barreling down last year on the state of Florida and you had a critical mass. You had all of these TV markets that were all being affected by one event at the same time. So we started to, we went up live and dipped into our normal programming and started doing wall-to-wall -wall storm coverage, but we started whipping around to different live shots within other markets, um, including affiliates. I mean, one of the stations that had phenomenal coverage, WBBH in Fort Myers, I mean, they had so many great moments. Um, so, you know, but kind of looking at the success of that, and that was a very high rated day for us. Um, we said, how do we scale this? Because you don't have an event like that every day. Um, and that's where it kind of dawned on us, like, well, wait a minute. We have 11 NBC-owned TV stations, a lot on the East Coast. We've got Chicago and Dallas, and then we've got the West Coast covered. What if we created a show where we mined all of their newscasts for the best stories that have interesting takeaway beyond that and red zoned the news? Um, so, you know, there's lots of great technology that we're using. 
So we have a small team on Red Zone. It's about three or four people who um, literally get into the rundowns of, you know, about five or six stations uh, at any one point in time. Find, you know, like, so, you know, they're looking at maybe their late morning shows um, and seeing what they covered. And they literally go in, clip out what they want, load that into the server, write some copy. Um, and then our host literally acts as a guide. And it, the whole idea is, look, you've got all, you know, what was it? Um, Bruce Springsteen said 15, 57 channels and nothing on. We got 57,000 channels and nothing on. Lots on. But we can do the news for you. We can do the surfing for you and bring you what we think is relevant and interesting that's happening across that concept. And, you know, from beginning to end, it takes about two hours to build that show. It's an hour long show. Um, we're now doing a half hour one later in the day that kind of encompasses the best of all of that. But, you know, we're, we're, we're in red zone news on our air now um, for about five hours a day, which is pretty amazing. And how have the stations that you're effectively, you know, using for as part of that, how have they adapted to it? You know, do they see this as something where this is actually exposing their work to maybe a national market? And so as a consequence of that, it's actually, you know, giving them a boost as well. Yeah, no, I think our station, you know, and we're very in, intertwined with NBCU local. So all of our news directors and I speak constantly, we speak with the general managers. Um, they love it because we're featuring their work and we're featuring what is the power of NBC Universal Local and, and how good our stations are at covering the, the news that's happening across the country. Um, you know, we even go when, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're taking a, a live sh a shot that, 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 that Craig did in New York, we might tag you on, on Instagram and say, hey, you're in LX News Zone, so you share it with your audience. So we're showcasing their great work, and, and that seems to go a long way. And I think that also speaks to a theme that's come across in quite a few podcast episodes that we've done fairly recently of maximizing the resources that you have. Because yeah. I think we all know that, you know, news is an expensive business. It takes a lot of people. It takes a lot of investment um, to make it work. And I, the sense I get from within the industry is that everyone now is looking to maximize every dollar that's spent to make sure that that is then, you know, content distributed in multiple channels, as we've spoken about. But also, if you've got larger organizations, that there are times of the day where they're not on air, but the capability is there to do it that it brings all of those things together. So I gather, you know, I would take it from that, that NBC corporately must look at things like what LX are doing and think, yeah, maybe this is something that has beneficial to the wider group. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that that is literally what our marching order is. It's create things that then can come back to our stations, you know, um, and whether that's a format for a show, a way of telling a story, um, a concept for a segment, um, or even a workflow change. You know, you, you look at a lot of our markets, we have duopolies. We even have triopolies where we have a sports network, a Telemundo station, and an NBC station. So the, when, when you've got two stations or three sometimes doing the same story and doing three different versions of it, that's a waste of resources. So how do you do it effectively preserving the brand of each one of those businesses? Um, and appeal, appealing to each one of those separate audiences, but not having five people do the same thing. Um, it has really been a, a good experiment and, and continues to be for us. 
Not to mention, I mean, our stations run a lot. I mean, I mentioned NBC News Now runs LX content, but, you know, all of our own stations run at least a story a day from LX. Um, we, um, you know, we're, we're helping to provide content that is unique for, for them in each of their markets as well. So we, we, we've talked a lot there, Matt, on things that have gone well. I'm guessing there's also been things that haven't gone quite well. So sure. I don't know if you want to talk about that and, and really the learnings that you get from that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think if I was going to summarize what hasn't gone well is it, it's com we get too comfortable, I think, as journalists. We think when we discover something, and, and I'll come back to the show that we're not doing anymore, uh, LX News Now. I think part of the reason we stopped doing it is we got too comfortable in, in how we were producing it and it became formulaic. And um, and so I think, and I, I use this term, It's I think it's my marching order for this year, which is fail fast. Um, we have to try things. That's, that's our spirit and our DNA, but we have to be comfortable saying this isn't working or it's not working like this. And how do we change it or move on from it? Um, and, and, you know, I think we, we, we did that. I mean, you know, Red Zone has a lot of things that still need to grow, and we're working on a lot of ways to change that show to make it even more dynamic, um, you know, to, to make it feel more active and that you're not like sitting in New York for 20 minutes, but that you're going from New York to Philadelphia to Miami and back up to Connecticut quicker um, and really zipping around news. Um, you know, I think we've tried, um, you know, Certainly, I've, we've tried more probably in the social space, but even on linear, um, we, we've, we've dipped our hat a little bit in satire. Um, comedy is hard to do. Um, it's probably the hardest thing in television to do. And I think, um, you know, that that is definitely something we've learned a lot from. And, you know, I mean, you know this, the, the typical LX story is long compared to most of the industry. That's not necessarily a good thing. Um, and I, we have, as an industry, as a as an organization, have adapted the you know I'll, I'll give the props to where they belong the the folks from Axios and and Politico who wrote the book Smart Brevity that less is more um, you know how do you tell that message in a way that people are really going to pay attention um, so I you know I think all of those different things kind of come together um, are some of the greatest learnings we've had. Um, you know, I, I would tell you the other big learning because I mentioned that we were designed for younger audiences, but guess what? Everybody wants depth of context. Um, it just happened to be that that was our marching order because we were trying to appeal to that young audience. So we've uh, we have not abandoned going after young audiences, but we don't make it like, well, would a twenty-two-year-old watch this anymore? Because we we've already created that. Um, mindset in everything we do. So um, so that's been helpful as well. I remember you saying that one of the things that you really disliked was a phrase snackable content when we, <laughs> uh, when we, when we yeah. spoke before. So as part of the learning there also being around, you know, what does appeal to those different audiences? Because yeah. we talked about TikTok earlier on being 60 seconds, that is snackable content, but yeah. there is an audience there for depth. Yeah. Well, and look, I, you know, I, I, I don't, I think there, you can do depth in 60 seconds. It's a different kind of depth. You're not going to explain to me how the Fed operates in 60 seconds. You could explain to me how the Fed works on one particular thing, like how interest rates work 
And what would be fantastic is then leave me with a inspiration to discover more content. Um, you know, I think you can do things in, in social and TikTok and Instagram more segmentized um, so that, you know, really you're, you've got a series of 60 second things that start to, to explain stuff. Um, but I think with snackable content, um, the reason I don't like it is because it, it, it hits that rule of has to be 60 seconds. It's like, stop with the rules. I, I hate rules. I want to paint outside the lines. And, um, and, and so anytime there's a, a rule, it's like, well, let's figure out how to break it because the audience wants us to. Let's return a little bit um, to talk about um, what you were saying before, but the things that haven't worked. Because one question I wanted to ask is, is failure important? Is it important that you do things that don't work? Absolutely. I mean, there are so many things that we failed at that, you know, they've made us stronger at the things we're, we're good at. And um, you know, there's so many lessons in history that teach us that. And, and even in our, our, our industry, you know, from products to shows to, um, you know, individuals, I think, it, you know, failing is, is, is a necessary, especially in, in content and creative content creation. When we spoke before, um, I think the phrase fast channels wasn't really part of the lexicon, um, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, and it's an area that we've seen a huge growth in in the last six months, last year or so, uh, particularly in America, but also here in, in, in Europe and, as well. So when it comes to distribution and things like fast channels, you know, how are you trying to take advantage of of that sort of changing nature, if you like, of the way that, that, that content can be distributed? So what's great is that you think of LX, it's a network, but it also is kind of a production house. So the stuff that we build goes to our own stations, goes to NBC affiliates, also goes to all of the NBC owned fast channels too. And they'll run a lot of LX content, like the NBC fast channel in Miami, the NBC fast channel in Chicago can run LX content on their city specific fast channels. Um, but what I think is interesting for us is our, our distribution footprint is so wide, but we're also really a fast channel, um, you know, and we're on probably the two most important three most important platforms in the US for us, Roku channels, Samsung TV plus and Amazon fire. Um, and, um, and I will tell you that th those platforms, more people are consuming LX content on those platforms than all of our other um, distribution vehicles combined. And, and that growth is, you know, it, we're talking about per, thousands percentage point year over year. Um, so it, there, it's a it's a lesson in where that's evolving to where the audience is. Um, so you know, for us, viewer acquisition name recognition is the name of the game. So that's why we give our content to everybody. Um, and um, but we are seeing tremendous growth in the fast platforms. Uh, you mentioned on um, audience there, Matt. Um, what have you learned from them? Um, a lot. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it's an interesting thing because fast is still a one-way communication. We're telling you what we're, we're delivering it. We don't have uh, ATSC 3.0 yet where it's more interactive. I definitely for, think for people that, who maybe don't know what ATSC 3.0 is, maybe explain a little bit about that. And then, yeah, well, yeah, we haven't hit the next generation of where 
you can have an over-the-air television signal have a two-way communication with the viewer. So your habits, your desires can help influence the programming and make it more relevant to you. Um, kind of like the experience we all have on YouTube, right? Um, you know, I, I will say that depending on the platform, um, some are better at others than providing real tangible viewer data that helps us make decisions. Um, you know, I think what's unique about those platforms is you're getting a better sense of the kinds of content that work and the, the um, but we haven't been able to really drill down on the day parts that are working as, as much as, as I think we'd like to. Um, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to get under the hood at Roku channels and Samsung TV plus, and I'm sure they'd tell me you can't. So, um, but, you know, I think um, what we are seeing what works is um, staying true to your brand. Um, and, you know, when you develop a fast channel, it's, 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 it's a unique product. It's what is this channel about? If it's a local channel, then it should be that brand of that channel. If it's LX, it should be the brand of LX so that you're creating that viewer consistency. Um, but, you know, I, I get probably five, 10 viewer emails um, a day. Um, and I get a lot from folks who are consuming us on certain fast channels. And then they'll say, but are you on this one? How do you get on this one? And I'm like, well, that's a content distribution discussion that is sometimes above my pay grade even, but um, you know, it's, it does help us influence it for sure. So I, I definitely think that, you know, whenever we're at work, um, we're always learning, we're always developing um, and we're looking at, at new things. What do you think the last two years have taught you? that sleep is the most important thing you can get in life. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I, 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 it, I guess I, I double down on, on something that has always been, I, I think, evolved in my mind, at least in the last five years of my career, which is you gotta take big swings. Um, and, uh, and LX is a big swing and, you know, it's, um, you know, th there's a lot we could do to make it bigger and stronger. We could invest a lot more money in it. Um, and there's a lot of things we're doing wrong, but a lot of things we're doing right. And, um, you know, I think as long as you're willing to take risk, um, you might fail, but you might succeed. And, you know, I think looking at some of the brands in the media space who were on the verge of failure or did fail and then came back to life bigger and better. Um, that's all because they took risk. Yeah. So Matt, you, 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 you probably know the question that's coming now, which is the question I ask everyone and to see if things have changed. Um, and I know things have changed for you in your, in your personal life. You made reference there to, to, to lack of sleep and, and family and things yeah. like that as well. Um, so what is it, if anything, that does keep you awake at night? Um, sometimes it's, it's the silliest thing. Like, did I, did I did I plan the program schedule right? And are we running anything on Saturday? <laughs> um, good thing is there's some checks and balances that usually would catch that. Um, it's it, it, you know what keeps me up at night, generally related to LX, is how do we keep getting noticed? How do we keep getting people to come in and and appreciate our product? Because I think we've got a great product, and the hardest part is just getting people to experience it. And once they do. They generally like it. Um, doesn't mean they're always going to like everything we do, but 
Um, so that's what keeps me up at night, especially since, you know, I don't think you could ever have a marketing budget as big as you want. Um, and so how do I do that without having to spend a lot of money to do that? Um, and, and then my, my two-year-old keeps me up a lot at night too. <laughs> yes, I'm sure Matt's two-year-old is the main reason he is awake at night. It was great to catch up with Matt and to discover how the channel has evolved. Now, if you check out the show notes, you'll find links not just to the previous episode we did with him, but also one with Moral Yousifi from Vice News on the way they work to maximise the value of every assignment they do. Please share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe to get notified when new episodes are released. We'd love you to join the Making the Media family. Now, the challenge to find new audiences is common, so let us know what you think. We are on social. I am Craig AW1969 on both Twitter and Instagram, or follow any of the avid social accounts across both those platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, and TikTok too. Or you can email wearemakingthemedia at avid.com. Time is up for this episode. Thanks to our producer, Matt Diggs. Thanks to Matt Goldberg. And thanks to you for joining us. My name is Craig Wilson. Thanks for listening to Making the Media.